This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. We have left off where um, now uh, the transaction has been offered at the gate for the nearest kinsman who is not Boaz to redeem the land and redeem Ruth and marry her. But he said yes about the land, but then he heard Ruth was part of the package. He said no. So his yes becomes no. And he had some pretty valid reasons for that, which probably made uh, Boaz really excited because he gets to marry Ruth. And uh, we painted the whole picture of love over law as we finished off our last session. And you might want to go back and check that out if you haven't, if you didn't uh, catch that particular one and all the teachings are out there for you. Um, we're going to pick up today, we're going to talk about negative past to positive future because when I get near the end of this, or at the last part of the message, you're going to see how God can take a negative past and turn it into a positive future. He does that for everyone. <clears throat> and it really should change our attitude towards people. But verse 7 we're going to pick up at, so I'm going to read verse 7, verse 8, and it says this. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption and the exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another. And this was the manner of attestation in Israel, to attest to it. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. In other words, I, I'm, I'm declining. You're next after me, Boaz. You buy the land. And he removed his sandal. So he's going to take off his sandal. He's going to give it to old Boaz. Now, the transaction was by shoe transfer. Uh, some of you don't like that because you don't want to lose your shoe because you like your shoes. You're a shoe person. But <clears throat> why a shoe? Why is a transaction by a shoe transfer? Well, uh, the shoe symbolizes possession. Well, how does it symbolize possession? Well, go back a few books to um, Joshua chapter 1, the very beginning. <clears throat> God says something to the old Josh. As he's about to cross the Jordan River and enter into the promised land to take possession of it. In verse 2 and 3 it says this. Moses, God speaking in Josh, Moses my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan. You and all this people to the land which I am giving to them. To the sons of Israel. He says, get up, let's go now. You're leading it now, you're crossing. And then he says this. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads. I've given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. What? Everywhere where you put your foot down, that land is yours. It's yours, it's your possession. You take it. And so from things like this, we draw the transaction of the shoe as a way of taking possession. So in the transaction, when he gives a shoe to Boaz, Boaz takes it. He says, I'm taking responsibility for this woman. I'm buying the land. I'm going to marry this gal. Now, here's my crazy thinking. Boy, that's a lot cheaper than buying a wedding ring, huh? <laughs> People are spending five, ten thousand bucks on wedding rings. And, Bo, you could just take a shoe from there. Here you go, take the shoe. Good. Sounds good, doesn't it? Some of you would never go for that. <laughs> now, verse 9. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. And he removed his sandal. 
Mm. He takes the whole thing off there. Verse 9 says, Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilian and Malan. Now, here's what Boaz is doing. He is joyfully, loudly proclaiming his love and that he is redeeming and marrying this gal. I like that a lot. Let me tell you why. <clears throat> Ruth, if you think about her life and think about where she's come from and think of the poverty that she lives in and she's gone out on the field to glean when she came there. But let's go way back to chapter one. Naomi is telling her, Naomi's coming back to Israel. Ruth is a Moabitess. All their husbands are dead. She's the daughter-in-law. She says, go, stay here in Moab. You're, you're going to, your better chance of finding a husband here in Moab. Don't follow me. And, and old Ruth says, no, I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to put my faith in the God that you serve. By taking that risk. By putting her faith in God, Yahweh God, God did more than old Ruth, even Naomi, but God did more than young Ruth, I should say, could have ever imagined, ever imagined. Put God first in all things. Now, let's be honest. Putting God first. Easy? Sometimes it's not so easy. Sometimes it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you stuff at times. It's even going to cost you friends at times. Putting God first. <clears throat> and sometimes it's going to look like, uh, I don't know, man. When's this ever going to happen? It can be very painful. But, but here, here's, here's the deal. <clears throat> this is where time becomes a factor and time becomes your friend. Ruth, back in Moab with Naomi, it looks bleak. And if I go with you, probably never get a husband because the way your laws work out is you've got to have a child has to grow up and marry me. And you're an old woman. You're not even married. You'll never get me a, a husband. I'll never, I'm, I'm going there. I'll never have a husband. Painful. If I stay here, I can get married pretty quick. I'll find some guy right away. She goes with Naomi. Time. We think it's against us. Time is our friend. Time passes by. And in time, God honors Ruth and God blesses Ruth and does more than she could have ever imagined. Time's our friend. We think that time's our enemy. We think time's working against us. Time is our friend. Now, I want to show you something. Turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19 and verse 27. Matthew 19, verse 27. Now, now Jesus has just um, had an interaction with a rich man. And Jesus tells the rich man, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And the rich man declines, there's just no way. 
Jesus called him to give up everything and follow him. Now, that's unique to the man because the man's, his God was money and possessions. So it was unique to the story, to that man. And anybody who practices covetousness and greed, it's like God would say, give up those things. Don't be a slave to it. Now, so Jesus told the guy, get rid of the stuff. Now, Peter, in verse 27, after he watches the whole interaction, and how painful it would have been for this man to put Jesus first, how painful that was, and the man declined, I can't do that. Peter in verse 27 says this. It's logical. Then Peter said to him, said to Jesus, Behold, meaning, look, um, we've left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? That's a great question, isn't it? <clears throat> Because I put you first, Jesus. It's cost me a lot. Had a good business going on. I put you first. What, what am I going to get out of this? What's it going to be for us? It's a great question. Jesus said to them, verse 28, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me, put me first in the re- generation mm. meaning Genesis again when God makes everything new regeneration Genesis again in the regeneration in the new world that I'm creating Jesus says when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne you Peter you also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Time's going to go by. Time is your friend. And one day, would you look at like, I've given up everything. What's in it for me? You can't imagine what's coming. You can't imagine what I have in store for you. Verse 29, and everyone, and Jesus adds, and everyone who has left houses and, or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. You can't imagine all that I have in store for you because you put me first. Yeah, it looks like it's costing you too much. It looks like, man, time's running out, but man, you're gonna live for eternity, eternity. And I got so much for you, for you, Peter. Time's your friend, time's your friend. And so friends, <clears throat> we can't imagine all that God has for us. Yeah, putting Jesus first. It's difficult at times. It'll cost you friends. It's going to be painful. You're going to wonder, what are you doing at times, God? But time is our friend. You give it time. Watch what God does. Watch what He does. And He can do it better than you and I could even imagine. Now, back to Ruth. Verse 10. Moreover, now, remember, he's proclaimed that he's going to marry this girl. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess. I'm going to marry her, the widow of Malan, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased of his inheritance, because I was part of the Old Testament law, so that the name of the deceased may not be cut off from, the, from his brothers or from the court, from his birthplace. You are witnesses to this day. Do you... Do, Check out what just happened. The marriage, number one, is public. Everybody knows, hey, everybody, I'm going to marry this gal. That's what he's saying. 
First off, marriage is public. Two, he's at the gates with all the authority, with the ten elders. Two, marriage is recognized by civil authorities. There it is. It's public, and marriage is recognized by civil authorities. You're going to hear somebody's going to say every so often, why do you need a marriage license? You know, why do I need to do this? We're just married in the eyes of God in our own minds. We don't need to do any of those things. Yeah, you do. Marriage is public. There's witnesses there. And there's a, it's a civil ceremony. He does it at the gates. There's a civil thing going on right here. There's something wrong, guys. There's something wrong when people say, we don't need a marriage license. We don't need to go through all that. We don't need a public ceremony. We're just before God. We know we're married to each other. We don't need to be recognized by any civil authority whatsoever. Let me tell you right now. When they say you tied the knot, no, they haven't. They weaken the knot. They weaken the knot. There are witnesses there to hold you to it. And it's a civil binding authority, license, that ties the knot stronger. That you're tied into this thing. That you're going in for the long haul. Now watch this. Verse 11. All the people who were in the court, these are the witnesses, and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel, and may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah and become famous in Bethlehem. Now, what did they just say? They threw a blessing upon them. And they said, may Ruth, may you become like Rachel and Leah. You know who Rachel and Leah are? These are the ones who gave birth to the boys that become the tribe, the 12 tribes of Israel. These are the women who gave birth to the nation of Israel. Oh my God, this is a massive blessing spoken over Ruth by the witnesses. This is like everybody giving the toast and may you be blessed this way. May you be blessed this way. It's a joyous event. It's a monstrous, enormous blessing that's going on here. It's cool. It's great. But it's not done. And then verse 12. Moreover, we're not done. Moreover. May your house be like the house of Perez. Some of you out there thought Perez was a Latin name only. It was a Jewish name. Whom Tamar bore to Judah through the offspring which the Lord shall give you by this young woman. Now they bring up Perez like the house of Perez. Who, whose mom was Tamar? What in the world does that mean? It's fantastic. It's just fantastic. Let me take you to the story. It's different, but Genesis chapter 38. Watch this. Now, I'm only going to read a little section of the story. You've got to back up and read the whole chapter, chapter 38, um, to, to get the whole story. But let me read verses 27 to 30. This talks about the birth of Perez. He's a twin. His brother will be Zerah. Now, verse 27 says, <clears throat> It came about at the time she was giving birth. That behold, there were twins in her womb. So his mother Tamar, she's carrying twins. 
Moreover, it took place while she was giving birth. So while she's giving birth, this is what's happening. What happened? One put out his hand. One of the boys puts his hand outside the womb. And the midwife, she took the hand, she ties a scarlet thread onto his hand saying, this one came out first. So she'd know who the firstborn was because firstborn's important in Israel. Verse 29, but it came about as he drew back his hand. So he took his hand out, they tied the red scarlet thread, he pulls it back in, he disappears back in there. <laughs> that behold, his brother came out. Then she said, what a breach you have made for yourself. So he was named Perez. Perez. So the one brother sticks his hand out first, they tie the scarlet thread around it, then he pulls it back to know he just came out first, but then Perez dives out after him. Afterward, his brother came out who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and he was named Zerah. Pretty wild story, huh? Now, <clears throat> here's what's going on. Why did they say may that be like the house of Perez? Well, Perez, Perazim, Perez, it means breakthrough. May there be breakthrough in your life. But watch the picture. The one brother comes out first, looks one way. It looks like it's, he's going to come first. It doesn't happen, but boom, backs in. And then Perez breaks through in a last second reversal. It was going this way, boom, pulls back, Perez, breakthrough, breaks through in a last second reversal. <clears throat> Let me say it this way. Does God do last second reversals in our life? You better believe it. Time. Time. Give it time and stick with God and God does last second reversals in our life. Let me take you further. The mother of Perez is Tamar. Her name is Tamar. Not the sister of King David years and years later. This is a different Tamar. Tamar is a woman in almost the exact same situation as Ruth. Husband died, she's a widow, destitute. Both cases, Tamar and Ruth end up in the messianic line, the bloodline of Jesus Christ who would come in the future. It's pretty wild. Watch this. <clears throat> Let me begin with a statement, a question that I'm going to answer. Does God use people with questionable pasts, with a questionable history. You better believe it. Look in the mirror every day, you and I. Use every one of us with a questionable past. Everybody, that's why self-righteousness is ridiculous. There's none of us who does good all the time. We've all gone our own way. You know, that's one of the things that pains me about social media. People just harping on this and on, as if they're so righteous themselves. It's ridiculous. It's utterly just ridiculous. And then we listen to these people that are always harping on things. Don't get me off on that one. Um, God uses people with questionable histories. Yes. Let me tell you about Tamar. 
husband dies, father, her father-in-law won't give up any of the son to marry her. So you know what she does? She dresses up like a prostitute, covers her face, everything. She pretends to be one, and she lures in her father-in-law. Yep. And he pays her for sex. He impregnates her. Perez and his brother Zara are the result of that. Crazy, huh? Is that a questionable past? Is that a past nobody would like to share? Is that something that Perez may be growing up as a kid doesn't want anybody to know? Think about this woman's past. Does God use her to continue the messianic line that eventually Jesus will be born through? Yep. Does God use Ruth, also a widow, who's not even Jewish, to continue the messianic line of which Jesus will come through? Yes. Never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever, think that God can't use people with sinful backgrounds. If he doesn't, then he doesn't use any of us. And by the way, if you've broken one little part of the law, you've broken it all. There's no one sin that God says, well, that one I'm going to categorize worse than the other. It's all sin. He uses you and me. It's all he's got. He uses people with questionable backgrounds. Now watch this New Testament guy, Paul, who writes most of the New Testament, who plants the churches, who pushes the gospel into that whole Mediterranean world. This guy, watch what he says. This is an amazing thing. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8. Watch this. Ephesians 3 and verse 8, and it says... To me, now watch what he calls himself, the very least of all saints. I'm the least. This grace was given to me. You know, grace is you can't earn it because you're a stinker like I am. Was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. He says, I'm the least. But he doesn't stop there. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And look at verse 15. Paul writes again and he says, It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. <laughs> foremost of all sinners. You think it sounds even worse. Worse. I'm the least of all. I'm the foremost of all sinners. But he doesn't stop there. 1 Corinthians 15. Watch 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 9, he says this. For I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He takes himself lower, 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 lower. This is a guy who, once, who wrote in there that he once thought, I'm above the law, I'm above reproach, I keep all the laws. 
until they came to Christ and they realized, what a sinner I am. Here's why he says he realizes that he's nothing special, not above anybody else. He says, I persecuted the church of God. He murdered Christians. Isn't it funny in his zeal he thought he was doing the right thing? How many of us are like that, I wonder? We're zealous about something. Just because we're zealous, it's the right thing. Is it? Have you checked the scriptures? He persecuted he was there. He was the one overseeing the stoning of Stephen, of killing him. Can you imagine when he came to Christ? His background? You're a murderer. You killed my brother. You killed my sister. You killed these Christians. You killed people. And you killed Stephen. You did all these things. That's what he says. I'm the least. I'm not fit. I persecuted. Who am I to be able to do anything for God? That's the best attitude you could ever have. Who am I to do anything for God? Because now you're ready for God to use you and you won't look around at other people and look down at them or point out things or go on social media and point out everything you think while you sit on your perch at home in your self-righteousness. Jesus said, take the log out of your own eye. Take it out, man. Quit looking at everybody's speck. But back to the issue. Can God use people of questionable past? He sure can. He sure can. He sure can. You look at a guy like Paul. You look at yourself. You look at me. Look what God has recreated in us. When the Spirit of God came and lived in us. And we went from living this way to living this way. Is our past still there? Can people bring it up? Yeah, we live in a society that loves to do that. It's a very immature society, by the way. But look what God can do. And He changed this man's life. People can change because God can change him through the power of God. So you see, <clears throat> our negative past, if, if this teaches us anything, our negative past does not disqualify us for a positive future. Our negative past does not disqualify us for a positive future because of the recreation and the regeneration of the Spirit of God in our lives and the forgiveness of sins. That's a good deal, my friends. That's a great deal. Well, I'm going to pause there for today. Hopefully that blessed you. Hopefully that edified you. We'll see you later. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.